What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Welcome back to Through the Book. My name is Trenton Crooks. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. And I want to welcome you to the show today. This is episode nine of our series over the book of Mark. If this is your first time tuning into Through the Book, we're already on chapter four, and if you want to catch anything before that, I want to encourage you to go back on our Next Level Freedom Church YouTube page, subscribe, and check out the other videos that came before this one that led us to this point. Because what we're doing in the series Through the Book is taking a look at different books of the Bible, and in this particular series, we're looking at the book of Mark. And we're looking at the true context of the scripture because it's sometimes it's hard to get in dig deep into that context on a Sunday morning. So we've decided to take time to have Bible study with you right here on the air. For those of you who are needing a Bible study time, the purpose of Through the Book is to hopefully help you have that Bible study time. So I hope that's what you've been doing as you've been checking out the episodes. Once again, if this is your first time checking us out, welcome. You can tune in today, but if you want to check out the previous stuff we've talked about through chapters 1 through 3, then go back and check out those previous episodes. So today on episode 9, we're going to be taking a look at chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. But something I want to do is kind of give a little bit of an introduction on what we're getting ready to get into in chapter 4. Verses 1 through 34 are the parables Jesus taught by the sea. We're going to look more deep into the actual scriptures in just a second, but kind of as an overview, I decided it was a good idea to give you this overview before we actually start taking a look at the text. And you're going to notice that it leads by the phrase, many parables or many things by parables. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. Some of the key terms you're going to check out in this section of scripture. And when I say this section, I'm referring to verses 1 through 34, but we're only going to look at verses 1 through 20 today. And we'll check out 21 to 34 next time. In this particular section of verses 1 through 34, we're going to find Jesus' parables by the sea. And in this section, one of the key terms is the verb to hear. And that is used 13 times in this particular section of Scripture. And if those of you out there who may not know, if God repeats himself, he means you need to hear what he has to say. And in this case, actually to hear. You're also going to find that that word there, that verb to hear, is the same word that starts in the Shema, which is a Jewish prayer that is prayed, a faithful Jew prays it every day. They recite it every day. And that is in, we're not going to go there for a sake of time, but if you check out Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they repeat that every day. That's a faithful Jew. You're also going to notice a quotation today from Isaiah 6, 9, and we're going to take a little bit deeper look at that when we get to it. It is quoted after the parable of the sower. So for those of you who are wondering what we're getting ready to talk about that maybe haven't looked at the title maybe in your Bible, we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower. And we're going to be taking a look at that 
a little bit deeper and a little bit different way, I hope. I've got a ton of notes, probably the most notes I've ever taken on one of these shows. So we're going to do it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. But you also got to remember that it's, I don't recall a time so far that we've taken 20 verses all at once like we're going to do today. So we may go a little bit longer than usual, but I hope you can take advantage of that time to dig a little bit deeper in the Word. Something else you're going to notice is that hearing is the key word if you're going to interpret, interpret the parable of the sower. Each type of soil hears the Word but reacts differently, and we're going to talk about that as we get to that section here in just a second. But you're gonna, I want to also point out that when he starts talking about the good soil, that that is used in the present tense. The Hebrew language, or Greek in this case, can take things and be relating to these things in present tense. And in this case, it's in present tense, which suggests the need to continue doing whatever he ends up talking about in that good soil. Mark's concern here today, before we get started, is that his readers be attentive and reflective so that the nature of the kingdom of God and how it advances in the world will not whiz by them, leaving them in a stupefied daze as if they were outsiders. And we're going to talk a little bit more today about insiders and outsiders. And we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so we'll talk about it when we get to it. So if you don't understand what I'm saying quite yet, Hang tight. Hold tight with us. We're going to discuss each of these things a little bit further as we get to them. But I felt the need to do this introduction so that you can possibly gain a better understanding of the Scripture. The other thing I want to point out here real quick before we start reading here in just a second is that this section forms a chiasm. And when I'm talking about that, it's a parallel ideas that are re repeated in reverse order. And here's what that looks like, and I'm going to try to put those on the screen as I say them. The first section is verse chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, and it's a narrative introduction. Then in verses 3 through 9, we find the seed parable, and then in verse 10 through 12, we find a general statement about the hiddenness. Then in the next section, which is 13 through 20, we find an interpretation of what you just read. And then the next section, which is 21 through 25, we'll talk about the parables about hiddenness. We're going to hear some more parables about hiddenness. And then verses 26 through 32, seed parables. And then the narrative conclusion in verses 33 to 34. Now once again, I want to say that we're only, we're only going to read through verse 20 today. We'll cover the next portion of that next time. So that being said, I hope that that illustration that was hopefully on your screen as I was talking about it will help you and will benefit you as you read this portion of scripture, because it talks about the type of writing that's being used here. Let's jump right in. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, and we're getting ready to talk about that in just a second, I want to go ahead and set the scene here for you. 
The scene opens up once again talking about Jesus' popularity. We've been talking about that over our last several episodes because Jesus has become very popular among the crowd, which are all following him for different reasons. We're not going to go over all that again here today. Go back and check out some of the other episodes if you want to check that out. But also, he's getting into a boat that originally was prepared for an emergency getaway, and you find that same boat in chapter 3, which is the chapter before, and in verse 9. I'm not going to go there now for the sake of time, but you can check that out. So he has to get into this boat, which is originally prepared for an emergency getaway, just so he can teach because the crowds are flocking him so much. So he's getting ready to teach. Something else I want to point out here is the word there that is used for shore is literally translated soil or earth. It's the same word that's used for the soil that didn't have much depth and the good soil that Jesus is getting ready to speak of here in just a second. So the crowd can be understood as recipients of Jesus sowing the word. So the parable he's getting ready to give them now is almost in itself saying what Jesus is getting ready to do. It's speaking about those in the crowd and how they're going to be interpreting it. They're the soil that you can see that as the soil that's possibly spoke of there where it talks about the shore. Also, we're going to notice here as we get going here, and we're getting ready to get into it, that this is the first time in Mark's gospel that Jesus gives a lengthy report. There's been times in Mark's gospel where he said that Jesus taught, but he's never actually gone into the details of what he was teaching yet. Now we're getting ready to see some of the details. So this first parable in the book of Mark happens to be a parable of Jesus' teaching. So it's almost like, hey, we're preparing the way now. So my first parable is going to be pretty much it deciphers those listening. It's up to them how they want to interpret what he's saying. We're going to talk more about that here in just a second. And we'll talk more about insiders and outsiders and things like that. But check this out. There in verse 3, continuing on, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Once again, you're hearing that hear word that we talked about just a minute ago. So here's the parable. Jesus is just given this parable. Let's start talking about exactly what this parable is got. Let's start breaking it down. In the previous story that we discussed in chapter 3, we find a distinction between the insiders and outsiders. And I'm not going to go back and teach that now. If you want to check that out, go back and check our previous videos and see that for yourself. But here today, you're going to see the split that is between insiders and outsiders. Jesus is teaching the different types of people and how they're going to interpret or take what he's saying. First thing we need to notice here is that sowing is a metaphor that usually in the Old Testament is speaking of God's work. It's sowing. It's God's work. The sower sows liberally 
in hopes for a harvest. Now there's a lot of detail here that we're not going to talk about today about the different types of soil and in the actual area of the world that this is taking place how this could have been related different because of the land and the way it was rocky and all this but the sower is going to sow liberally in hopes for a harvest so he's just casting things out there just seeing if he can get a harvest from any of these places because the harvest was literally a way of life for farmers in that day, the ones that were farming, that's how they made their living, a lot of them. So, the farmer sows hoping for a harvest in spite of circumstances. Like we talked about a second ago, we're not going to go into a lot of detail today. The different types of soil that they were dealing with in this time and in this particular area of the world is something that the farmer just is sowing in spite of the circumstances, in spite of where the seed lands. He's just seeing if he can reap a harvest. The kingdom of God doesn't come in one fell swoop. Some people are going to reject it no matter how the truth comes. And we're going to find that as Jesus interprets this particular parable here in just a second. So it's not like what they're expecting. The kingdom of God to come. He's to take over. He's to conquer Rome. He's to get rid of all this bondage and things that's been going on. And he's going to take over. He's going to conquer. And he's going to rule. Jesus has been trying to introduce these people to the actual kingdom of God, which is not the kingdom the people of this day were actually expecting. And we talked about that a little bit in other episodes. So it's not happening in just one big thing. So some people are going to reject it. Some people are going to get it. However it happens, fruit bearing is essential. It comes before growth. And what that's speaking of is those seeds have to take root before you actually see the fruit of the labor that was put into those seeds. So it's amazing here that Jesus is reflecting in this particular parable the seeds that are going to take root so that they can bear fruit. And then the ones that are just going to wither away and amount to nothing. And I'm going ahead and I'm going to go ahead and continue reading here. Because Jesus is getting ready to interpret this himself here in just a second. And I've got a ton of notes. I'm just trying to make sure I keep it all together. So, uh, in verse 10 where we left off, it says, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that... They may be ever seeing but not perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And he's getting ready to translate it, but before he does that, I want to go ahead and key in on some of the stuff that was talked about right here. He's hit on a couple of things. The mystery or the secret of the kingdom of God is mentioned here and is given to these people that he's speaking of but to those on the outside everything is said in parables this is that split we're getting ready to talk about how that split deciphers the different types of receivers now we're going to talk about that the mystery of the kingdom let's take a look at that first what is the secret of the kingdom or the mystery of the kingdom in mark it refers to a heavenly truth that is concealed from human understanding but is made known by God. The secret of the kingdom is that people cannot see that his sowing the word, which will lead to his crucifixion and resurrection, is God's plan. But the thing I want you to key in here is that the only way you're going to understand what Jesus is saying when he teaches 
in parables is that you get a revelation from God. So God opens your eyes to what is being taught so that you see and you can receive the truth. Those that reject it, which is what Jesus is getting ready to talk about here in just a second when he interprets this, they don't get it. And there's a reason for that, which we're getting ready to talk about next. But those that get a revelation from God are able to understand what the parables are saying. Now in this case, the twelve and those with them had a question and they came to Jesus about it. Also want to note here that Jesus, the better translation of that there is, Jesus said, and he literally said, all things come, not are told. He's saying that when you get that revelation from God, then you begin to see and you begin to understand things as they are. And it begins to expand that understanding as you grow and you go deeper with God and you build on that relationship. And then he makes a quote, which is interesting because it sounds like he's pretty heartless and he's blinding those of them, if you're looking at that. Right there, that's a quote from Isaiah 6, 9. We're not going to go back and look at that. I just want you to know that's a quote from Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, where Jesus said right there, it said, so that, and he said, they may, and this is verse 12 for those of you following there, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And when you first read that, it kind of sounds kind of heartless, doesn't it? Well, they might see and they turn, so we're going to teach them in parables. But here's the reality of that. If you look at Isaiah's time, in Isaiah's case in his book, he was talking to Israel. And in Isaiah's time, the people could not understand the message that Isaiah was giving until the land and Jerusalem were decimated. They refused to understand it. And if you go back and you look at scripture, when the prophets of old tried to warn people about things, they would just ignore them and listen to the false prophets because the false prophets' message was a little bit better. So it was more, it's kind of like us in today's world. We want to hear the better news. We don't want to go hear something that's going to be negative and may have bad results for us. We want to hear the good stuff. So that's kind of why Israel was struggling back in Isaiah's time. What Jesus is getting at here is that they see but they don't perceive, they hear but they don't understand, and it's because they might have to actually turn and be forgiven if they interpret or if they see it. Here's the difference between the insiders and the outsiders. Let's talk about it for just a second. Remember today I said we would talk about a split between the two. Jesus is splitting them up. He's saying, here's how it works. Insiders are willing to go to Jesus and gain understanding, just like the twelve here and the others that are with them. They're coming for an explanation of the parable. So they're going to Jesus for an explanation, which is what we need to do. That's what makes us an insider. If we don't understand something, we need to go to the source. We need to find out either in God's word or through prayer. We need to go to Jesus about it so that we can gain an understanding about God's word. So or just about what God is saying in these parables. So the insiders, they're willing to go and find out, hey, what did you mean by that? But the outsiders don't think it's worth the trouble. Oh, I don't know what he just said, but I ain't going up there to talk to him about it. I'll just see what he says tomorrow. They don't really go. They don't go any deeper. They, don't, they stay on the outside. They don't understand what's being said. It's kind of like reading a book really fast and not understanding what you're reading. And then you go back and you realize... What did I just read? So unless you go back and reread it again, you're not going to understand what you read. And taking that time to understand, then you just leave without the understanding. Oh, well, I don't know what I read. but So it's kind of the same in here with Jesus. Jesus is, you know, if you go to Jesus for that understanding, he'll give you that understanding, which makes you an insider. Outsiders, it's not worth the trouble. I'm, I, whatever. I don't, I don't know what he said, but okay, whatever. And moving on. 
However, outsiders can become insiders. That's the purpose of teaching the good news of God's kingdom. Jesus is the purpose of the parable he just gave to them. That He's sowing seed wherever he can sow. The ones that take good root are going to use that seed and sow more seed to other people. And it's going to continue to grow. That's what he's talking about. That's why he's describing the kingdom of God. People at this point, the outsiders anyway, the ones that are rejected understanding that truth, they just kind of still think God should be coming back to conquer. But Jesus is trying to explain to them that is not how this is going to work. Also, insiders can become outsiders. That's why they're cautioned to pay attention so they can discern what lies beneath the surface. So basically, you need to you need to pay attention to what's being said. If there's an interpretation, you need to get that interpretation. You need to understand Otherwise, as an insider, you can become in danger of becoming an outsider because you just read over it. And I think a lot of us, we look at God's Word and we may read it. Oh, that's a nice story, but we never dig deeper. That's kind of another point of the through the book series here. As we go through different books of the Bible to give you an understanding of what the context, what is being said here, what is going on. Because if you don't want to seek after that understanding, then you're never going to grow. You're never going to get a deeper understanding of who God is. And you're never going to reach your full potential. So you need to be seeking after that understanding, just like the ones that came to Jesus here. Insiders, now here's something cool to note. Insiders, like the disciples that you just saw here, risk becoming outsiders if they aren't careful as well. Because remember, one disciple betrayed him, Judas, for some money. Another one denies him three times, Peter, and they all flee from him when he gets arrested. So they've all fled. So at that point, they were in danger of becoming outsiders because they ran away. However, at the same time, you know, they did come back eventually, except for Judas, obviously. But at the same time, outsiders can show the faith of insiders. And if you need examples of that, they're all throughout the scripture, the Gospels. Especially, I mean, if you just want to use Mark even, but you got blind Bartimaeus. He was just a blind man by the wayside, but he got into what Jesus was saying and he got his healing. Anybody that Jesus healed, demon-possessed man, they came to Jesus so that they could go a little further. They're outsiders, but they can show the faith of an insider because they're seeking Jesus. They're seeking, what can you do? How can you change me? So, uh... Different stories like that, the woman with the issue of the blood, how she came all those years, 12 years, couldn't find a cure, came to Jesus, with, had so much faith that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she could be healed, and she got her healing. So outsiders can have the faith of insiders, even though they may not be in and literally understanding what's going on, because they're outsiders, they can get in to have that faith. But the goal is to make outsiders become insiders. You want insiders because they understand. They, they seek understanding. If they don't understand something, they do just like what we're doing here. You dig a little bit deeper into the Word. I want to keep moving because I already know I'm past that 23-minute mark, and I know this is going to be a longer show. I had a feeling. But let's go ahead and wrap this thing up by Jesus' interpretation of the parable. Verse 14, the farmer sows the Word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, 
they quickly fall away. And we saw that kind of happen with the crowds when they were welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem when he rode in on a donkey. And then, you know, just a short few days later, they betrayed him. They sent him to crucifixion. So, uh, still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown in good soil, or on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So that's that group that we're trying to get everybody to. However, did you notice the other three, the interpretations? Some are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word. That would be more of a representation of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. As they were coming to Jesus, they no longer, and we talked about it a little bit, I think it was last time or one of the previous shows, that they are no longer interested in what he has to say. They just want this thing to end because Jesus is stealing their thunder. So they don't care what has to be said. These are the ones that are on the path that don't ever take root because Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So they hear it, and then they just ultimately reject it because they got other words. That kind of represents the Pharisees and those that were criticizing Jesus. Others that are sown in rocky places hear the word at once and receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. We talked about that a little bit as I was reading. One representation of that would be the crowd that welcomed him into Jerusalem. And there was cheering, there was palm branches, there was all that going on as he was entering. But as soon as the trouble or persecution come, they quickly fall away. So as soon as they see that, hey, this may lead to trouble, okay, we want him crucified. Crucify him, crucify him. That's a good representation of that second soil Jesus is talking about. And the other ones are like the seed sown among thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of the wealth and desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Good example, probably the most famous example from Scripture, is the rich man when he came to Jesus and said, Hey, uh, tell me what I need to do to have eternal life. And Jesus said, Well, you need to love your neighbor, you know, love God. And he goes off and tells him what? And he's like, Well, I've done all this stuff since I was a youth. And Jesus says, Well, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you own and come and follow me. And he couldn't do it. He ran away sad because he had a lot of possessions. So a good example of this third soil are the people that gain a lot of possessions or gain a lot of wealth. Then they start depending more on that and they're unwilling to give up any of that for Jesus. So it's like that stuff, whatever it may be, has them. So then they become unfruitful and they're no longer useful. So that's one example, a good example of that one. And then there's the ones where they actually receive the word and then they harvest more. They, they can take it. So they're the ones that actually interpret the word. But let's talk a little bit about that just for a second. The verb to sow uses two senses in this particular parable. In one sense to sow in the sense of scattering the seed. You're just throwing the seed out. He's sowing. He's sowing. But then the other sense is to be sown. And that is the sense of ground being implanted with the seeds. These are the ones that are receiving that word. Or some of the other ones where they didn't have much root, but they received it for a second or any of that. It's up to the soil how it's going to receive it. So in the same way, when Jesus teaches the truth, it's up to the individual 
how they're going to see that. So there's two types of sense of sowing here. One is the sower throwing the seed, but the other sense is the people receiving the seed or the soil that's receiving the seed. The interpretation raises the question of whether the listener is going to produce any harvest, thus turning the parable of the sower into the parable of the so soils. Jesus says, I put the word out there. Those that don't have anything to do with it, well, it's not going to go anywhere. But those that receive it, they're going to sow more seed and the soil is going to produce even more. So it fails in three different soils, yet it succeeds three different ways in the good soil. So it fails three different ways in the bad soil, which is what is obviously listed here. But it also succeeds in three different ways in the good soil. And here's how that is. The good hearer welcomes the word immediately so that it cannot be snatched away by Satan. That eliminates the first group. The good hearer welcomes it deeply. In other words, it's taking a root. So that it is not withered by persecution. So persecutions are going to come, but they're not going to leave their foundation, which is Christ, because they've received it deeply. The good hearer welcomes it exclusively so that other concerns do not strangle it. In other words, other things. You know, it's not that God, he doesn't mind you having money. It's when the money has you that there's a problem. The good hearer welcomes it exclusively. Nothing is more important to the good hearer than the word. Yeah, there's possession things you can get in this world. But none of that amounts to a hill of beans, and that's kind of strange to say that in this parable, but none of it amounts to anything without the Word. It's okay to have stuff, but make sure you're keeping the Word your center point, and that if it comes to you getting rid of some stuff for God, that you're willing to do so. Because if your stuff has you, that's what becomes the problem, and that's what's the issue with the third group here. So we see it in three different ways, both on both sides. The obvious, bad, and then there's three different ways it's good. There was a whole lot here. I hope you were able to gain some understanding from this particular scripture. I hope you were able to have a, maybe a possibly a new interpretation of what the word was saying here. Next time we're going to take a look at verses 21 to 34 and kind of finish out these parables on the lake at this particular section anyway. We'll talk more about that next time. Until then, this is Trenton Cruz saying God bless.